Hi, Shelby. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm good. And how are you, Kinsey? I'm oh. great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, we have a guest tonight. Hi, Hi. Surprise. <laughs> yes, welcome, welcome everyone to Trip It To Me. This is a travel-centric podcast where we plan itineraries, we talk about pop culture, and sometimes we have guests on who have lived internationally, work in the travel industry, and went to college with us. So um, And just done really cool things. Yeah, just a cool person in general. So uh, yeah. again, everybody, welcome to the show. Kinsey, ha ah, that was the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's like a little reunion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we need to like publicly apologize to Kinsey for the <laughs> for the terrible communication and and um, catastrophe of a schedule we've had for the last month. Uh, we, there's we only there's only so many times you can apologize for like sickness and yeah. things not going the way that you thought and different oh time zones and like you can only use those excuses like <laughs> once each maybe and it's been like a month and a half of this you know yeah, it, it was I, I know time. that life i know how it goes so i am just happy we made it work we finally did it we finally got well, it yeah. we did it as I mentioned, uh, Kinsey's done some very cool things, and we're going to talk about those things um, as, as we get going. But, uh, but before we do that, Shelby, Kinsey, what are you drinking tonight? Kinsey, why don't you go first? Start us off. Okay, I am drinking a pink-colored, simpler brand wine. Simpler wine brand? I don't know. I never know when they, like, write the things on the wrong yeah, lines yeah, yeah. um that's the thing i don't understand actually it's like which which word which do, do you I say read? first why are you doing this to me it's in yes. the middle although like, i will say it's a very cute little label it's a nice yes. logo yeah yeah i mean it, it very clearly is like simpler wines in the same yeah font and then mm. it says brand in between but, simpler and wine see yeah. and that's but a much smaller so, font. so is it simpler brand wines or is it simpler wines brand i don't know i feel like you could make an argument either way um and i have it mixed with a passion tea lemonade that has been sitting in my fridge for a couple days because i keep forgetting to drink it um Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's quite nice and also sounds delicious lots of pink yeah and also cute little like mason jar yes glass with the handle yeah very nice and a straw And a pink straw. And a straw, yeah. Favorite color? Wow. Oh, yeah. Pink. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also have, you know, nice. pink passport case, which is nice. also sitting on my desk, just in case. Just yeah. in case just in this conversation in we, you need like, to, like book, a t- book a flight. Right. Maybe maybe you just leave right from here. Yeah. You're Trip prepared. it to me right away. <laughs> Can we do that at some point? Do like a like recording like while we're actively booking a trip? That'd you be fun. That, that would be your... that would be so much chaos and I would love it so much. You should have done it on like that mental breakdown you had when your flight got canceled or your flight got booked up and then you had to book a flight from Las Vegas. That would have been a really because interesting episode. 
Because me hyperventilating makes for a great podcast <laughs> with the sound of the shower running in the background. <laughs> Email us at trivatome at gmail.com if you'd rather hear Shelby hyperventilating or whistling. <laughs> Ooh, it's either or. Yeah. Tough choice, but you don't get both. Either you or. You don't get both. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm drinking a cup of coffee because um, Ben had a gig on Saturday night um, out of town. And so we drove, went to the gig. It was awesome. We had a great time. Went back to our friend's house where we stayed. And some people came over and we had a drink. And then they hadn't seen the first episode of... Um, House of the Dragon and so we watched the first episode and it was like 3 o'clock when we went to bed and I looked at Ben and I was like we are too old for this like we are not young anymore like what are what have we done and so drove back yesterday woke up this morning and knew I was like oh no oh no like I am not gonna make it through today so this is cup of coffee number four there you go and I will promptly pass out as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> what time is yeah. it there? What? It's 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 five thirty four p.m. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like barely made it through work, and I will get done, and I will eat something, and then I'll just or I'll do what's more on brand for Shelby, and then I'll stay up another like six hours, mm-hmm. and then what? tomorrow will be even worse. Yeah. Great. Yeah. What a way to start the week. <laughs> what a way. <laughs> Andrew, yes. what are you drinking? Uh, just a real mishmash tonight. Miss, miss, mm. mishmash? Mismatch? I think, no. I think, I think mishmash works. <laughs> okay. Is, is there a different way to say it? I think that's what I'm asking. N- okay, okay. This is interesting. Okay. Mishmash, mixmatched, or mismatched? Those are, those are three separate things. They? Are they not interchangeable for you? Isn't mismatch something when you think of mishmash? <laughs> mishmash is, is like it's that's all diff- like mashed potatoes, yeah. right? Mm. Like everything's together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. You've got your carrots and your Mish- peas in the potatoes. Mishmash. It just sounds squishy, you know. <clears throat> it does. It does. Whereas <laughs> mismatched is what happens with my socks. Yes. Because yes. they don't ever get paired Correct. correctly. And mix and match mix is when they match. are intentionally oh. when they are intentionally paired. Wait, so, like yes. uh, Kenzie's drink. Mix, so Kenzie's drink like is intentionally paired, okay. but yeah. Andrew's drink is more like mashed potatoes. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> He's drinking mashed potatoes, everyone. <laughs> Andrew is drinking liquid potatoes. That's what um, we like. <coughs> what I Thank to you, say. everyone. It's been fun. <laughs> Have a good night. Thanks for coming on, Kinsey. <laughs> uh, um, Glad we could get to the I guess what I guess what I meant to say is I have a lot of drinks. I don't know. I don't think it fits any of those definitions. <laughs> I have water. I have water because okay. I, I was warm today. I have Mountain Dew because I'm tired and I'm just, just coasting on caffeine at this point. Mm-hmm. And then I have uh, an aforementioned key lime, key lime, uh-oh, key lime <laughs> sour ale. 
Um, I talked about that a few episodes ago. Um, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's just just a mishmash of stuff if I poured them together, but separately, no. I feel like it's more of a plethora or a cacophony, but not yeah. a mishmash. You just really wanted to say cacophony. <laughs> I really did. I've been sitting on it for like a minute an, and a half. Amal- really amalgamation? Is that a real word? Oh my goodness. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. I was an yes. English major. I'm out. Fine. Kinsey and Shelby now have a podcast and I you will never hear from me again. Where we just list words. Words yeah. that we really like. Uh-huh. Yeah. So and definitions good. of words that we really like. So so good. I did just um, Google that to double check that it was a real word yeah. and that it was <laughs> accurate. So college taught me one thing. Check your work. Just, just one. <laughs> Throw it out cite, there, cite but then sources. make sure that you're not completely wrong. <laughs> cite but act confident, and then admit that you weren't confident. That's funny. What college taught me is just pretend like you know, and people will believe you. Yeah. Actually, that may not have been college. That may have just been bartending. Anyway, that's a whole <laughs> other story. College taught us things. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Good work. Donald. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, before we talk about wh- whistling, before we get to the whistling segment, should we, <laughs> should we talk about how we all met each other? I mean, we mentioned there was a college. I think Shelby and I have probably talked about going to college at Northwest in Kirkland, Washington at some point. Um, I think a few times. Yeah, probably. Did, did the two of you graduate the same year? Do you know? No. So I graduated in 2015. Me too. Oh, wait. Oh, I thought you said 2013 earlier. No, I said that. Oh, okay. Which is funny because I thought thought that we had graduated the same year, but then I heard Because we were on the same floor freshman and sophomore year or just freshman year. One of those years, maybe both. I get them mixed up in my brain. Yeah. We uh, we all went to a Christian college that had um, not co-ed floors and and uh, yeah it had some weird rules so um, you couldn't yeah. dance <laughs> with alcohol uh, you, you couldn't dance or without with well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, unless it was yeah, so. we did go to school <laughs> we went to school in the town of Footloose okay yeah. <laughs> Footloose, Washington. <laughs> I feel like I've been. I feel like I've been to a Footloose, Washington at some point. It needs to exist if it doesn't. Um, oh, I really hope it's real. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think so, but maybe. Um, Kinsey, did you did you enjoy Northwest? Yeah, I would yeah? say so. I feel like there's like there's. There's two very distinct categories of people who either, like, really loved Northwest. Okay, maybe three categories. Or, like, really hated it. Or, like, we're just like, meh, it's a degree, you know? And I yeah. I had a good time. I, I had good friends. Good. I enjoyed myself. I liked my classes. And honestly, mm. in hindsight, I think I would not have been as successful at, like, a bigger school um just because mm, i think yeah. having the smaller classes and having very like discussion based learning was really good for me so 
this is not an ad for Northwest, but uh, <laughs> that whole paragraph really sounded like it. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenzie's not being paid by Northwest to promote the school. I'm still paying them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so same. but they taught me the word amalgamation. So that's a, that's good enough. <laughs> yes, worth mm-hmm. the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, did where did where did you grow up before uh, going to Northwest? I was born in Texas. I was okay. raised from like six months old till twelve years old in the small town of Los Alamos, New Mexico. And then I moved from there to Redmond, Washington in 2005. So mostly Washington. That's a big climate change. Yeah, a little bit. Like where I was in New Mexico was more of like a Colorado climate because it's like up in the mountains. Ah, okay. Okay. Really high elevation really close to a ski hill so it wasn't as deserty um but you could get to the desert if you wanted yeah. to but do you have fond memories of new mexico that's one state like on the western side of the country i've never been Same. yeah i enjoyed it it was like a really small safe town so it was yeah. a really good place to grow up as a kid because like you could just run around the neighborhood we like, our house was backed up to, like, a forest, so we could just run around the forest, and you're not worried about your kids, like, getting snatched. So, as a kid, it was great, because we just had tons of freedom, and we were homeschooled, so we just, nice, you know, roamed free. But I liked growing up there, for the most part. Have you um, spent much time there since you've moved to Washington? Not really. Like, we've gone back and visited occasionally, but, you know, getting to the point where, like, most of my childhood friends have kind of moved elsewhere, and Mm. there's not really a lot to see or do in the small town if you don't have people to visit. So we still have people to visit occasionally, but we've maybe been back, like, maybe four-ish times. That feels low. Maybe more than that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure. a couple times um, so I'll ask you the the question I ask every guest what um, I, I don't know where you consider home at this point you can you can choose Seattle. New Mexico you could choose yeah. you could choose Seattle you could choose Tokyo which we'll talk about later but what is um, what is one thing that you would like like someone comes to visit you and it doesn't have to be like one of the big tourist things. It can just be a personal favorite. What is one thing you take them to do no matter, no matter what? Like if if you had one thing to show them. I feel like this has actually happened to me a lot this past summer. Um, So in Seattle, the go-to for me is definitely, um, it just left my mind. Um, Gasworks Park. <laughs> I was oh, about yeah. to say there Pike's Market, but I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Gasworks Park is like, if somebody's only here for a day or like really short, I'm like, we're going there. We're going to watch the sunset. Mm. And we're going to look at the at the city skyline and watch all the boats. Um, yeah. yeah, that's like it's a, a great it's like a, a must do. It's a good spot. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite spots in Seattle as well. Yeah, it's a good spot. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, should should we do this? Kinsey. Oh, oh, I have a question. Oh, yeah, I have please, a question please. that I ask all of our oh, guests. Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot. Um, it's been it's a while. A, it's a high stakes question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's really important. Highest it's complicated. Priority. It's it's complex. She um, always lets me go first just to kind of like ease you into it. Cause ease you into thing. it, right, because this is a whopper of a question. And please, when you answer, tell us why, because I can't, I can't wait to hear. Right. But um, lemons or limes? Oh, my goodness. You know, I have been thinking about this on the other episodes where <laughs> you asked people. I was like, I, I had this answer so planned out, and now it's just, it's all gone. Um, oh, no. Probably lemons, because I just feel like there's more that you can do with them, and because I'm drinking lemonade as we speak. Mm. Um, mm, mm-hmm. So I have to, like, you know, give it up for the lemons. Um, I don't know if I Great have a answer, good reason why, apart from that. They are, they are more versatile. There's Everyone more, seems to yeah. agree mm. there. You can, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You are a fan of limes, though, from what yeah. I'm gathering. Yeah. Sure. Okay, good. Like, no compl- good. no complaint against limes, yeah. no major offenses done to no you? No strong feelings. They okay. haven't They haven't offended me yet. There's still time, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, that's... There, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Excellent. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yes, thank the you little so tally much. mark next to lemons. Yep. Another, another point Just for lemons. A, another point. Stuff. Another point. Um, we, we were going to skip the segment when we have a guest on, but Kenzie specifically asked us Special for it. Special request. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, so, so we have the whistling segment. Uh, Shelby, you want to, you want to explain? So, um, I'm real bad at whistling. Just really, awful. really bad. Very, very poor. Um, now when Ben walks around the house, just like casually whistling, I just look at him and I go, show off. <laughs> and he goes, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. But, um, no, I'm very bad at whistling. Even though I really like music, I really like singing. You're quite good, at, quite good at singing. Real hard. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, whistling yeah. is so hard. Um, and so something clicked in my brain a few weeks ago and I was like, if I'm bad at whistling, like I could practice, like I could get better. Um, and so it's prompted this exercise in like whistling things when I think about it. And um, a few weeks ago, I recorded a snippet of a song for Andrew to see if he could guess what it was. And now I've just demanded that we do it all the time because I think it's so funny. We should probably hey. name this segment. Probably. Yeah. I can't think of what it would be called. <laughs> yeah. We'll work on it. We'll Send workshop it. 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 Trip yeah, to me if you have an idea for, for, yeah, for a funny segment name, email us. See, yeah, I please. I used to feel the same about whistling. I could not figure it out for the life of me. But my grandpa is like the most beautiful whistler you would ever hear. And he would just like do these incredible songs walking around the house whistling. And I was like, I need to learn how to do this. So I have been on a similar journey, like wow. many years wow. ago. Oh my gosh! Um, I will. I'm decent. So okay, but I feel like because I would of that, so settle for decent. I I really like resonated with this segment because <laughs> <laughs> you know I've been there, and because I I got I guessed the song right after like. On the second listen, I was like, "I this is I know this song." 
I was yelling I it at you in so my car. Like, but of course, you know, <laughs> you guys didn't hear. I me. was pumped no. when you said that. I could not have been more excited. I was like, "Fuck yeah, yeah!" I so did if it. I yeah. recognize like, I this so song, excited. if I think I recognize it, I'll try to whistle it back, and then we'll see <laughs> if we can get there. Yes, yes, yes. yes. We're gonna do it. Um, I, I hope you guys can hear this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the tip of my tongue. So, Ben knew what song I was whistling as I was walking around, and I recorded this when he was away, and so I played it for him, and he goes, babe, it took me into, like, the third line to remember what song you were whistling. Is this from, like, okay, is this from, like, the 2010s era? Oh, my gosh. She, she, this is a podcast. Shelby is nodding yes. I'm not. I'm very excited. Like, yes, I think yes, I know yes. what it is. You can you can shout it out, really. Or you oh, can okay. try to whistle You want it. me to try and whistle back what I think it is? Yeah. If, if you want mm-hmm. to, sure. Okay, okay. <coughs> let's, let's, this is, this is a lot of pressure, you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really I'll, hard I'm to whistle looking. when people are looking. Okay. She knows it. Is that it? She knows it. There you go. Good job. Andrew, do you know what song it is? <laughs> I don't know what the song. I recognize the melody. I don't know the name of. This is another maybe flaw. You want me to, you want me to shout I think it I out? I don't know the song names. Yeah, please. Is uh-huh. hey there, Delilah? Right? Yes. Oh, okay, wait, no, never mind. Never mind. I, I did not. Yes. Wow. wow. Trip it to me history right there. I got right on the there. first she try. She guessed it the first. Listen. Again, I'm off the show, Either, <laughs> Either Kinsey and I have an incredible brain link, or I'm getting better at whistling. Eh? I think, I think there's serious improvement. Thank you. I think that Andrew doesn't want to voice that. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if Andrew believes it. <laughs> I can hear it. I can hear it. Okay. I would not have got there on my own. I can hear it. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this segment is just seeing Andrew's face go through the process of like listening and then like bewilderment and then amusement and then cackling. And that it's just it makes it for me right there. For the low price of $25 an episode, everyone can watch <laughs> as we do this. That price keeps going higher and higher what? every I don't, time. I don't know what you're talking about. What? What? No. no. What? <clears throat> Just for $30 an episode, you can sponsor us and see Andrew's face. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we won't shout you out or anything. You can just watch and sponsor us anonymously. Can, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, good job. You you did Thank it. You. you won the Thank segment. You. Thank you, Kenzie. Yes. Glad I Thank could you. validate myself validate the uh, whistling skill. When you get so a call at it. like 
at like 2 a.m. one night and when we're just stumped um it's just like call a lifeline and you can figure it out for us yes phone a friend phone a friend i like that Uh uh-huh all right very good well i guess we should get into the topic because there's plenty to top talk about yeah topic about let's dive in uh yeah so uh after after college our great time in northwest uh yeah. did you move right away to live internationally um yeah. you you yeah you graduated, moved to tokyo i graduated in may and moved in july wow okay we had like How? two months to prepare and then I was out. Wow. At the ripe young age of 22. How, um, ha- had Ooh. you ever been anywhere internationally before that? I had been to Chile and I had been to Mozambique. Okay. But I had never cool. been to Asia and, of course, Canada. Sure. I don't want to say we of don't course. count Shout Canada, out. but... Shut we live in Washington. It's so. more like it's it's implied. Yeah, right. right. It's like yeah. our our cousin, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was I had never been to Asia, and I just decided to get a one way ticket and move. Only that was not my you know initial attitude, but. <laughs> uh, what uh, what led you to? Deciding to get a one-way ticket and moving in. <laughs> Great question. Um, so I knew that after college, I wanted to go overseas somewhere. I thought that I would go back either like Mozambique, Kenya, Uganda. I was definitely feeling like somewhere in East Africa. I was an English major and focused on um, ESL, like teaching English as a second language. So that was the plan to try and teach for a little bit. Um, and one of my friends, like a lot of my professors had done the JET program, which is the Japanese exchange and teaching program where the Japanese government like hires native English speakers from every country that has native English speakers and then they put them in schools all across the country usually focused in the rural areas um anyways so one of my friends was like you should apply for that because you want to move overseas and um just keep your options open and this is like you have to apply in like September or October or actually I think maybe you submit in like November the year before you leave so it's like a long process and I was like why would I do that I don't care about Asia I've never wanted to go there I don't give a fuck about Japan was my literal famous last words um very uh, Christian school girl of me <laughs> to be like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> and she was like, it would be fun. You could like go to Tokyo Disney at Christmas. And I was like, I don't care. I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> but I was like, okay, fine. I'll apply anyways. So I applied 
and um, there's like this in the application process you like have to write an essay about like why you care about Japan and like why you want to move <laughs> to Japan and I was I literally don't. <laughs> I know I was like how am I gonna what am I gonna write um but then I just googled like Japan Kenya relations and apparently Kenya has like okay has like a the largest Japanese population in East Africa, and they have like a Japanese wow. embassy in Nairobi, wow. and they were starting to hire people for the program from Kenya because Kenya is like native English speakers as well. So then in my brain, I was like, okay, maybe in the long term that can still happen if I work in Japan for a little bit, and maybe I'll end up like helping, you know, working for this teaching program somewhere else in the world, you know, or like helping them recruit teachers from Kenya to teach in Japan. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I was just really on this Kenya kick and like, <laughs> it's just like had to connect it. So then I wrote about that. And then they like asked me about that in my interview. And then like, I guess later on, I after getting hired, which it's like a nine month process, like you submit the application in November, you find out if you got an interview early January, you have your actual interview at like the consulate or like at the embassy in Seattle in person in February. And then you wait like four months before you find out if you even got the job. And then after you find out that you got the job in like April, you wait until June to figure out like what city you got put in, what school you're at, if there's any information to go off of. So you're just kind of like, cool, right. I'm moving to Japan. Don't know where, <laughs> don't know who I'm working for, but like I should start packing. <laughs> and it's just really bizarre. Um, this This whole process just sounds like, here, apply for this job and then in return will give you an anxiety disorder yeah, honestly and a, a like mountain of paperwork um yeah so I found out that I got the interview and then I was immediately like I know nothing about Japan I know nothing about anything and so I started just like getting coffee with people who went to our school who like really loved Japan and I was like, tell me what you know. And they would just kind of talk. And I was like, this is great. Tell me more. <laughs> and then there was like one That's professor great. who had lived in Japan for like 20 years. And we got together and chatted over coffee. And he just spent like an hour and a half telling me all about like, like etiquette for like how to behave in Tokyo. And I was like, bro. I'm not getting placed in Tokyo. This is like the most useless hour apart from learning like little things about like if I get hired, how I should behave. But like, how is this helping me prep for an interview? And then <laughs> sure. everything he told me ended up being so valuable because I did get placed in Tokyo, <laughs> which everybody was saying like on all the forums like this. I don't even know. I feel like I like snuck into this program because if you look on the forums about like how to apply for the JET program. P there are people who have prepared for their entire lives for this moment. 
And like the things that people say are like, you need to be in every Japan related activity at college and every opportunity to do this or that. And I literally was like, I know nothing. Hire me. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, in hindsight, having been in the program, because I think I had a ton of imposter syndrome, like, I think they made a mistake. Like, why did I get hired? You know? Right. Like, I know nothing. And all these people have, like, been waiting for this moment since their sophomore year of high school. Like, but I realized very, very quickly is, like, the whole point of the program is to be an ambassador, like, for your home country, kind of, Hmm. and do, like, what is it? I can't think of what the word is, but... They, they want you to represent your country well and then to have mm-hmm. a good experience in Japan so that when you come home, you tell all your right. friends how much you loved Japan. Is like the way that the program works. Like soft, intercultural... There's a term for it, and I'm forgetting what it a was. Good steward. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's just like... Um, yeah. So like the second that you get off the plane and you now live in Japan, your whole job is to be American. Hmm. Like, they don't actually, like, (laughs) as soon as you arrive, they don't care if you were in every single Japanese club since you could walk. Like, they care that you're representing, like, your home country well, and that you're not just like, I hate everything about America, and I'm so glad I live in Japan now. So sometimes people who are, like, way too ready to leave their country because they hate, they're, like, not pleased with their country, they don't do as well in the interviews. And then they're, like, super upset that they don't get hired, you know, because they didn't quite, like, recognize. So I'm, like, that's probably why they hired me is because I, like, (laughs) am not obsessed with Japan. But I was, and actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um just because I don't know it's just and and because I think people forget that it's like a real job because most of you like most people applying are coming straight out of college so they're like it's study abroad part two and then you get there and you like have a day-to-day like nine to five or beyond um and like you have to actually teach and you don't have to have an education degree so you could be any major and still get dropped in a school in front of a class and they're like, okay, teach them English. <laughs> um, which they did throw, throw us into. And then they're like, oh, you guys aren't education majors? <laughs> you guys aren't qualified in your countries? And I was like, well, listen. <laughs> and question for you, because my sister did a similar program in South Korea. And I remember they had to make a lot of their curriculum, and that surprised me. I thought that they'd, like, be put there and then be like, oh, here's your curriculum, and then you just do the thing and you teach it. And, like, she had to make a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Was it kind of a similar situation for you? Um, Yes, it was. So, like, technically, the way the – in a perfect world, the way the program works is we are hired as an assistant teacher – We're never in the classroom alone. We're always in the classroom with a Japanese teacher who has, like, studied and licensed to teach English. So they've, like, gotten all the degrees, all the certifications, and we're, like, never unsupervised. And typically the way that's supposed to work is, like, they plan the lessons and we assist with the lessons. 
Um, and I learned my first day while walking to class that I was supposed to plan the entire oh, lesson. No. And so that was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because to be fair, we had already been in school for like two or three week, two-ish weeks that I had actually been going to classes and my supervisor had been amazing about communicating everything. She was like, okay, this is when the school year starts and the kids are gonna come to class and you're, you're gonna have the whole hour to do your self-introduction lesson. So I planned like an hour long, this is who I am, here's pictures of my family, my house, let's play some games, let's ask questions, that kind of thing. So the first two weeks was like doing that lesson plan in like 10 different classes. And then any classes that weren't that lesson plan, she had everything prepared and had me and the other JET teacher assist her. So I just figured like, cool, like she's communicated everything and any class that we've done with her that wasn't like a introduction class worked exactly the way the program's supposed to work. Um, so that's probably what's how this works until I was walking yeah. to my first day of class with a different teacher and she was like your supervisor told me that like you're in charge of the whole hour and that you would have a curriculum planned and I was like uh, she did not communicate that to me so <laughs> great but luckily that teacher was like do you have any other classes today and I was like nope so she was like okay because I think if I did she would have sent me back to the office to like prepare for my upcoming classes but she just picked a page in the textbook and was like all right kids let's do this <laughs> but yeah. then then we ended up on now understanding the expectation yeah we had to do all of our own I say we because usually in this program you're the only jet at your school but um, in my situation there was another jet from Australia that worked with me. Mm -hmm. And so it was the two of us at our one private school. And we were in like the heart of Tokyo and we were the first people from the JET program that they had ever had. Because wow. like wow. prior to our year, um, like there were five JETs in Tokyo every year. And then our year they opened up, or the year before us, they opened up like a couple hundred spots and then our year they opened up another couple hundred spots um, because they wanted to prep like the middle school and high schoolers for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics right. uh -huh. rest in peace <clears throat> right <laughs> to the Tokyo 2020 Olympics yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> so that was all we heard about it's like you're preparing the students for the Olympics because your eighth grader today will be in college in 2020 and they will be working and helping tourists that and they need to be great at English and every single school speech like they I would understand none of it until the principal would be like Tokyo 2020 <laughs> and I'd be like oh <laughs> we're talking about the Olympics again <laughs> they were so ready and it makes me they so were. sad they were it would have been amazing I mean I know they technically still kind of tried to do it but like right. it would have been so good it was not the same it would have been amazing they they had they had been preparing um yes 
Yeah, so that was all we heard about, and that is why we got put in Tokyo, and why all oh, these okay. private schools that usually hire their own foreign teachers were like handed people from the government program, and handed the salary to pay us. So they're like, oh, free teachers, great. So some schools were like, we don't actually want you because y'all aren't qualified. And the people that we would hire privately are more qualified. So some people's situations, they, like, didn't get to teach hardly at all. And then my situation was, like, I got to teach a little too much. (laughs) Right, so, like, both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and I had to plan everything, and I hated it. (laughs) And I really did not enjoy teaching. But teaching life is not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Going. The thought of being – oh, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. Are you sure? Uh, going going back just a little bit in the story, wh- at what point were you, was it always after you applied, like if you got it, were you going to go? Or was it like once you found the Kenyan connection, Once was there a point where you're like excited to go? Oh, yes. That is a great, great question. I definitely left that out. Um, I think what I realized after finding out I got the interview and like sitting down and talking to people about Japan I really had this moment of like wow I really just didn't know anything about it like I was just ignorant like in the literal sense of the word like I just knew nothing about it and the more I heard about the culture and kind of what the people are like I was like this actually sounds like a perfect fit for my personality things that I enjoy like I don't know. I just started getting really excited about it and really hoping that, like, I would get hired and feeling like it was a really good fit for me. Um, So prior to the interview, I was already excited and hoping that I would get hired. That's good. Yeah. Which I (laughs) Uh, think helps. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, I mean, you were a what 20 21 year old at that point yeah. i think it's pretty normal to like not know anything about yeah. the rest of the world really especially like, as i had an my heart American. set on a completely different place mm-hmm. right right yeah uh, yeah so um, yeah so we got yeah. there shelby did you have a that's good <laughs> did you have a question shelby i was just gonna say the thought of being dropped in front of a classroom of foreign <laughs> like the students is terrible. Like I like kids, <clears throat> and I've been in situations like where I'm not like teaching in a school, but like Sunday school teaching or yeah. like doing music stuff or whatever. But the thought of being placed in a room full of children that speak a language that I do not is like, oh my gosh! Like my heart is just like, no, don't do it. Like that sounds very difficult to adapt to. Right. Yeah. It was really interesting because, like, they, I don't, like, there were some classes, especially kind of like the middle school ones, where they were just like, oh my gosh, you speak a language that I don't speak, and I, like, don't want to talk to you, and, like, you scare me. Um, First off, like, Japanese kids in school are, like, so, like, the best classroom you've ever been in, at least in my situation, because it's a private school, so if you don't behave, you can get kicked out, whereas I've heard that sometimes the public, the public schools are a little more, I don't want to say normal, but, like, they have no, like, they can't really kick you out, you know, right, so they get 
they have to just deal with the issues, whereas private school is like, okay, bye. Um, and most people in the program in other parts of Japan, you'll be like the one foreign teacher that works in your whole region or your whole town.、Mm-hmm. So you'll go to like six, cl- six different schools a week or three different schools a week.、Mm-hmm. So it was actually really rare that we just had the one school and the two people doing the one school.、Yeah. Um, but all of the students were super respectful. Like, whenever, you come, whenever the teachers come in, so like all the students are in a set classroom and the teachers change rooms based on period. And then, same with like the teachers move up every year with their students. Oh. So that oh, was、cool. interesting. Because then it's like the teachers are teaching a new grade every year, which is kind of harder to like get your own style and curriculum settled. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, so we'd like teach the same classes every, like all through their high school.、Um, But I think being like, A white blonde American girl who was like really young when I started teaching, like they were a little obsessed with me. <laughs> like I would walk in and they would be like, ah, like, candy. <laughs> and I would, in most classes, I would only have like once a week or something like that. So for them, they're like, yes. <laughs> they would like see me in the hallway and like sprint. To like run and like hug me. At least、oh. the girls would. And I was like、yeah. literally treated like a celebrity. And I was just like, this is not <laughs> the average experience as a high school teacher <laughs> in、right. America. Yeah. You don't walk、no. into like a room of adoring fans where they're just like screaming <laughs> your name. I mean, like, you haven't tried chasing it. Chasing you down、Maybe、the hallway. Maybe they would for you. I, yeah, maybe,、so. maybe it is. It's just you. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. Did、so、you、wow. like that? Did you like the attention, or, or did it, was it a little too much? There w a s definitely times where I was like, y'all need to calm down. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm、sure. a normal person, you guys. But it was sweet. Like, I think like, anything that keeps them paying attention in class, you know? Because right, then, because、right. like, there's nothing worse than trying to get students on board with like a game or an activity and like nobody wants to do it, which I definitely had my fair share of that. I had certain groups of like classes that just did not want to do anything, but then I had、yeah. a couple classes where they were just like super pumped or were like my little fan club, which is just like, like it's just bizarre, very bizarre experience.、Yeah. My favorite memory from to kind of like, Give you an idea of how interesting things got. is I would like walk around the classroom and like check people's work as they were doing worksheets or whatnot. And there was this one time where I get back to the front and I see this girl like pull something off of her desk with her fingers like shoulder length apart. She raises her hands up, looks into the light, and goes, <gasps> Kinsey's hair. And one <laughs> strand of my hair had come off on her desk. <laughs> and she picked it up off the desk, like raised it to see that it was like a blonde piece of hair and was like, Kinsey's hair. And then she like put it on her head and was like trying it on. And it was like, Look, I'm blonde. And like they started passing it around the classroom. <laughs> <And> I- <laughs> 
Girl, catch that strand of hair, and she's going to try to clone you. I know. I was like, what is happening? Like, this has gotten out of hand. But it was hilarious. That's so real. Just moments that if I didn't, like, write it down or if it wasn't just seared in my memory, it, like, literally sounds fake. Like, you know. Do you think that's a part of the culture being somewhat... Again, obsessed doesn't sound like the best word, yeah. but infatuated with Americana and that 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 sort of pop culture. Or do you think it was more just because you were, like you said, a twenty-one year old or twenty-two year old blonde American? I think I think something of just like being the like only non-Japanese person that yeah. they mm-hmm. kind of or not non-japanese only non-japanese but like i think yeah there was just like a shock value to being so foreign <laughs> um right. something novel yeah. yeah and i think i think there's definitely that element of like kind of like kawaii culture where like yeah. like that would be the thing they'd always like every single thing i'd do they're like ah kawaii like so cute so cute and I was like I just existed like and then yeah. but and and part of that is the culture like they'll just say that about everything because they're like teenagers and that's just like how they talk and behave right. um especially and I, but I, I, I do imagine think, in Tokyo yeah like, but, I, yeah but I think you'd I definitely like experienced that in other areas of the culture even when it yeah. wasn't like at work you know, just, like, people kind of staring right. at you or being... Like, you probably mm. experienced even just visiting Japan. Like, I started to okay. zone it out, but, like, anytime friends would come to visit, they're like, I feel very stared at. And I'm like, well, you are. Hmm. You are very stared I, at right now. Yeah. I, I was in such a glow, I think, that it was more like, oh, my gosh, people are going out of their way to make sure I have an amazing time. Oh, totally. Um, which is... I guess sort of the same thing in a way. Um, if like I, I, I guess people can stare at me if they want to. It, it probably means less to me than most people, but um, but yeah, I, I it's not just always felt good that staring the entire time. No, no, <laughs> that's what I have learned. Well, <laughs> and, and that's I just started very like, similar to what we talked about. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, we talked about it's it last week. Very similar to what we bit. talked about last week. The the pet names, right? Like yeah. As like a thirty-something-year-old white man, you yeah. probably don't mind the pet names or the staring as much. Staring at me, I, I don't care. Like, just, just, just be nice to me, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I definitely yeah, no, think, and, like, I realized. I don't remember at what point, but I kind of realized it would basically just it would heighten however I was already feeling about myself. Hmm. If that makes sense, right. like mm-hmm. if I left and I was like. Mm-hmm oh my gosh, I look grungy and I'm like not really wearing something that Japanese people would wear. Like I look very out, like I shouldn't, you know, like I, I look like I don't fit in and I'd be like, oh my gosh, everybody's staring because of this, like my outfit or like they're staring at that giant pimple on my forehead. But realistically, like they just stare all the time anyways. Right. So, but if I left and I was like, oh, I love my outfit, then I'd be like, oh, they're staring. Like, you know, it's, so it's a lot of just like self-perception put onto it that makes sense but there were totally times go ahead uh, there's like going into a classroom or teaching people that are really disciplined too there's that extra 
pre- like usually it's a great thing it's wonderful but there's also kind of that extra pressure that like oh i have to be on top of my stuff too because because mm-hmm. they're actually listening and and caring about what i say so yeah um yeah i'm sure i'm sure that plays into the perception too yeah i had one teacher that i would co-teach with and he was very he was the most involved teacher like most of the other teachers would just stand in the back and like take a nap because they could (laughs) um because they didn't care they're like this is my one hour off thank you for being here but he was like very involved and he had his kids were very high performing academically and he he like if you said the wrong thing at the wrong time he would like give you a whole lecture on it um but i have when i get in front of a classroom i have a really bad habit of saying like okay as my filler sure be like so then this and this mm-hmm. okay and then blah 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 okay and blah blah, blah okay And I didn't realize I had this habit until he stopped the entire class and was like, girls, when Kinsey says, okay, she's asking, do you understand? So when she says, okay, you have to say, okay, back. And I was like, oh, (laughs) Oh no, please don't do that. (laughs) And I was like, and that was the day that I was like, I, I overused this word. (laughs) <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> time that they were not saying okay back he would stop class again and tell them did you hear her ask okay oh, no, no sir it's just it's just a bad habit move on <laughs> um yeah. but it was sweet he cared about his students a lot right right but that's how you realize that you have bad habits like that they're always <laughs> it's watching. true you listen to yourself on a podcast yeah. once a week, and you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, no. You're- Can you imagine if every time we used our filler words, the mm-hmm. other person just, like, repeated it back? No. I, I don't want to. I'm be? not going to imagine that. <laughs> okay. Just a chorus of ums, like, all yes. the time. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> did, uh, so how, how long did you stay, end up staying in, in Japan? And I... did it ever... You, you seem to not really enjoy the teaching aspect. Were there parts that you did enjoy? Yeah, I did not love the teaching aspect only because I didn't love the lesson planning. I think I would have enjoyed it sense. more if they, like, because they specifically told us, because you're teaching the conversation English lessons, we want you to teach them what's, like, natural. But also there's this, like conversation test that they have to take that they have to prep for so also teach the textbook stuff but don't work (laughs) off of a curriculum which is really hard when you have no frame of reference for like what they already know or don't know or what they're working on in other classes or not what's way too hard you know so that was a process but I ended up yeah so I didn't love the actual in-class teaching but I got to be involved in like the after school clubs and helping with the English clubs or even helping them prep for tests. Anything where I was one on one with students or in a smaller group setting with students who either legitimately wanted to learn English or at least try, I really enjoyed. Because um, there's a majority of students who 
don't ever plan to use English in their life, and for them it's just that class that they have to keep taking right. all of high school. Yeah. And then I also kind got of involved. Kind like how American, American high school students just te- treat every single uh, other oh. uh, language yeah. class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, funny and also story. <laughs> yeah, and also <laughs> Apparently, when I was in high school, I ended up taking French, but my high school offered Japanese, and my mom has a distinct memory of telling me I should take Japanese because wouldn't that be interesting? And I was like, Mom, literally, when would I ever use Japanese? <laughs> <That's really funny. laughs> I'm going to take French because I'm going to use that all the time in <laughs> yeah, when West I moved Africa to France, Mom. and France. Oh, yeah. I'll, yeah that's you know, and the zero times that I've actually used the four years of French that I took. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But now I kind of know a little bit of both. So, you know, who's really winning? Um, yeah. I, uh, I have a you similar story with with uh, with my mom in high school. She it was either take a second choir because I was already taking one choir, but it was the more advanced choir or take Spanish. And my mom was like, you should really take Spanish. This is really going to benefit you. And I was like, no, mom, taking my second choir is what I want to do. And I'm going to study music, and that's really going to benefit me. And here I am, almost 10 years later, still paying off my student loans with a music degree that I can basically do fuck all with. So she was kind of right. But I still think I made the right decision by taking that second choir (laughs) class. You know, who knows? We'll all get there eventually anyway. But yeah, I did get, I got to get involved in the um, Japanese taiko drumming uh, club. And that was a big highlight. And I started that club, one, because I really enjoy like music or instruments. And it's kind of like a combination of like instruments, rhythm, and I would say dance. Because they do a lot of intricate movements, like you're jumping from, there's like choreography, like of when you like jump and turn and switch from this drum to that drum and it's just very like active and I really enjoyed that and mostly because it required no language <laughs> because all of the other yeah. classes all the other clubs either you had to like read music whereas taiko is like an oral like kind of an oral tradition but it's basically like they demonstrate and then you do it um And I can follow along with no language knowledge. Although when I moved back to Seattle, I took a taiko class here for a couple years. And I realized, like, they were saying things that (laughs) they were saying real words about, like, right and then left or, like, this is the pattern. And I would follow along and then they'd, like, correct me because I was doing the wrong, like, one word means right hand and the other word means left hand and they would try to get that through to me in Japan and it just was not computing and then literally (laughs) took one lesson where the teacher explained that in English and I was like oh my goodness (laughs) it all makes sense (laughs) Um, so that was really fun because I just got to like learn that and got to know some of those students a little bit better from just being in their club which is not a thing that real teachers do unless they're like coaching the club real teachers don't you know join the club and then do the performances at the school shows and stuff like that but they loved that i cared about it so they let me it was fun that's cool that's cool Uh oh but i never answered your other question welcome to my adhd life 
Um, <laughs> I stayed there for three years. Yeah. Yeah. So I was there 2015 through 18. Cool. Yeah. Was it, uh, were, what led you to come back, I guess? Um, I think I mostly came back because, like, for a while, the not loving my job, not loving the majority of my day at my job, because there were elements that I liked, like, but loving everything else about my life was, like, Mm. loving life in Japan was totally outweighing the um, not loving that I sat at my desk for like five hours a day doing nothing and then would teach for one or two hours and then I'd sit at my desk again and have nothing to do, which you sounds like the dream scenario, but you can only do that for so many years right. until you're over it. Um, so, yeah. So I think for a while the like not loving the job was being outweighed by loving my life there and it kind of just got to the point where I was feeling kind of, one, burnt out of teaching to the point where I knew, like, I could finish that third year really strong, but the thought of going into another year, I was just like, I'm not going to be a good teacher, and when when a teacher doesn't want to be there, it sucks for literally everyone. Yep. <laughs> like, it's not a yeah, job really that does. you can, it's not a job you can do if you, like, the kids deserved better. And I just was feeling myself getting burnt out and lazy and trying to do the bare minimum. And that's just not fun for anybody. So yeah, I was like, I can, I can rally for like one more year. And it's really hard because on, on that program, they start asking you in September if you want to recontract. But your contract goes July to July. So Oof. like hypothetically. It's an early decision. Yeah. yeah, so it's like in September of 2018, you have to decide if you want to stay in Japan through July of 2020. Wow. Wow. Because you're already in for 18 to 19. So then by September, you're like kind of deciding if you want to stay in. And obviously, like, you can break your contract, but it's kind of frowned upon. Yeah. But if you're never doing the program again, no right. harm, no foul, kind of. But in my mind, that was just, like, not something that was an option. Um, yeah, you want to finish well. Yeah. So I just knew that I could get through that one year, but, like, another year would be too much. You mentioned favorite. Um, you you loved everything else. Uh, yeah. What were a few of the things that you loved? Oh my goodness. So many things. <laughs> you can go you can go as long or as short as you want to. Oh my gosh. I feel we'll like be here all night. it's like yeah, I know. It's like such a big topic that it's hard it's it's really hard right. to narrow it down, you know? Or like it was just like I loved everything so much that it's hard to be like what was the things that I loved? <laughs> I loved like <laughs> like transportation was amazing. Living in a very, like, walkable city, like, walking literally everywhere all the time. Um, And, I mean, I think if I were to move back more, like, forever, like, long-term and really build a life there beyond just, like, that post-college 
couple years, I would want to have a car for like weekend adventures. Because honestly, I did some trips with people who had cars and it was ended up being cheaper than taking the train a lot of times um, for longer trips. But but yeah, just like being able to go wherever I went to Tokyo Disney, like that was like my go to place when I was homesick is I would like go to Tokyo Disneyland and be like, I feel like I'm in California. I'm back. Yeah. I'm eating a turkey leg, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just the culture being very like orderly and respectful and everything is in its place and everybody, I'm a big rule follower. So the fact that everybody is following the rules, there were moments where <laughs> sure. that got, where I got tired of that and I, was like, why can't we just break rules? But I was like, no, you like you, you like this. It's okay. <laughs> but I think that's just part of uh, culture shock and living internationally anyways. Mm-hmm. is like you have certain things that you absolutely love, and then there's times where you get really sick of them, and you hate yeah. them all of a sudden, and then you're like, oh, no, I love them again. And it's just <laughs> riding the waves. I'm trying to think of more specific things, yeah. and I feel like – when I was listening to y'all's episodes about Japan, all the things were coming to mind, and I didn't write any of them down. <laughs> That's okay. So the food, oh my goodness. I also feel like because I knew nothing about Japan, it was just like a completely, like everything was a new experience. Like when I was on yeah. the plane with my one-way ticket to move there I was sitting next to a girl who I like knew from middle school apparently like we hadn't seen each other in years but we were sitting next to each other both crazy got hired for the program and I I think somebody like said something and I was like oh yeah like the only word I know in Japanese is like konnichiwa and she was like (laughs) oh well I mean it's like it's kind of evening now so you wouldn't say that anymore and I was like wait what (laughs) like there's another word for hello and she was like yeah there's two other words for hello actually and I was like this is gonna be a fun time um (laughs) me and my one word of Japanese moving to Japan um but yeah so like everything was brand new the first couple weeks we were all together at like orientation and then they put us in a apartments or like a temporary two-week apartment while we were house hunting like apartment hunting right. um and yeah it was like my first time living alone alone and i loved my apartment it was like this tiny little studio that felt expensive at the time but now I live in Seattle and I realized I had it really good <laughs> <laughs> I could right. live alone mm-hmm. in a studio for like 650 750 <laughs> with utilities <laughs> like yeah take oh, me back I miss those days <laughs> <laughs> yeah like if I had the kind of money that people spend on apartments here in Seattle I could have lived in like downtown Shibuya in like a three right. bedroom <laughs> <laughs> like two bath mansion our yeah. apartments were called mansions that's just what they call <laughs> okay. apartment buildings so i lived in a mansion um congrats <laughs> i made millions of yen a year <laughs> um but 
yeah, I think it was just like I it was the first time where there was like a place, like a city that was kind of my own domain in terms of like my family, like nobody else, like I didn't know anybody who lived there. So when my parents came to visit, I got to like show them everything or like yeah, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it or yeah just feeling like I got to learn a lot. I took Japanese classes. I had Japanese food for the first time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, That's a awesome. question. Yeah, it really is. A question for both of you cuz Shelby has a somewhat similar story. Um hmm. but I I think when people think about doing these things or or weigh like the idea of traveling for an extended period of time in a city or a country where they don't know much about it um they get scared of loneliness and making friends and and just just really just being alone i mean when it comes down to it um it, you both are exceptionally brave i don't i don't think there's any way like any other way to look at it uh, so how do how did you two manage that um if you don't know Shelby moved to New Zealand um I, I don't know, f- four years ago mm-hmm. yeah. uh yeah yeah so oh it's coming it, up on my anniversary yeah congratulations oh. and I guess thank you I, I guess I mean Kinsey you had people in the jet program who you could converse with and Shelby you had, you knew one or two people right um, mm-hmm. but otherwise I mean you're in an entirely new country where you don't know anyone so how did how do you do it really I mean for lack of a better question like how <laughs> yeah do you do you want to answer Kenzie or do you want me to jump in you can go I've been talking a lot <laughs> <laughs> give you a break um, I think the main thing for me is like you'd be surprised how quickly you can make friends and you can get to know people. I think especially in countries that are very hospitable. Like I think having not been there, but I I having heard so much from Kinsey and you, Andrew, like I think it sounds like Japan is very hospitable. Like it's a place that you can go to and and you know, I mean, I guess depending on where you're from, that that's <laughs> sure. a whole other kettle of fish. Um, but it's very similar here. It's like, um, did you say kettle of were... fish? Yes. All right. Have you not heard that? Never heard kettle of fish before. Certainly, that's not a Kiwiism. Kenzie, have you heard kettle of fish? I have not heard of kettle of fish. <laughs> what? All right. I mean, so I I understood it. it in context. Yeah, yeah. No, I've it made sense, it. but. It was one of those things where you were going along. It's like, yeah, I got it. And then, yeah. and then, and then I like, said kettle oh. of fish. Oh, you like, said oh. kettle of fish. Uh. It's, yeah, like it's a real... Th- and anyway, that's really interesting. I wonder where I picked that up from. Could have been anywhere. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry for New Zealand is also a very hospitable country. The people here are very friendly. And they want you to have a good time. Like they want you to come here and feel welcome. They want to show you the best parts of their country. They want you to go back home and be like, wow, it was really beautiful and wonderful and awesome. Like, it's it's good for everyone when that happens. 
And so for me, like, yeah, it was crazy scary to pick up and move to a different country. But pretty quickly, I had plugged into places because, you know, my friends, when I moved here, had found me a job. And so I was working pretty quickly. And those people were like, oh, you have to come to this place with me. And, oh, come out for drinks. And, oh, we'll go here and do this. And some of those things happened and some of them didn't because, you know, that's just kind of what you do with someone when you know that they're from out of town and they're new. But I built some friendships that way. And then I um, was going to church. And so I made some friendships that way. And pretty soon you're plugged in and you've kind of got these relationships and you're like, wow. And like, that doesn't happen everywhere. Like when I moved to New York, it was not like that at all. When I, when I moved to Fredonia, it was hard. And like finding people that I clicked with and that shared the same values and also liked the things that I, like, you know, we had any kind of connection, like that just didn't happen. And I felt very lonely, but moving here, this place resonates with me, and so the people resonate with me, hmm. and those things fell into place pretty quickly. Would you say it's kind of a case by case, meaning place by place basis, probably? Then do you, do you I think, think so. that probably resonates with everyone? I would think. I, I guess everyone could move to a spot that they just hate, and then and then you yeah. pull the plug and move back or whatever. I think I think so because you know in Fredonia it's fairly small it's fairly conservative there are some values there that I just don't agree with and right. uh and they also didn't understand why I wanted to travel yeah and just like on a very basic level like it's gonna be hard to connect with someone who doesn't <laughs> understand why I want to go to Spain or New Zealand huh. or you know like yeah well why wouldn't you want to go there <laughs> and so uh, those those relationships just didn't happen very naturally at all. And I'm sure that there's lots of other places in the world that I could show up to and go, mm, no. Yeah. But uh, I think when you're in a place that feels right and, you know, then the people are going to feel right too. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Anything but, Anything to add, Kenzie? Um, yeah, I think with... With Japan, I've heard a lot of differing stories, like if you live in, like, the countryside. I, I, my personal experience, everybody in the city is very private. They keep to themselves quite a bit. They don't really, I didn't experience, I didn't really make a lot of, a ton of local friends. Um, it was just really difficult, I think. You know, it's, it's the typical, Mm -hmm. like, I don't even, there was maybe three times that I even saw a neighbor who lived in the same Mm. building as me. Like everybody just kind of secludes themselves a little bit. And there's also a culture of like public face and private face. And everybody's just very, very, very private. Like, and some elements of that are excellent because like you would go to a work party with all your coworkers and everybody would be very very drunk which is a big cultural thing and they would be like wild and you people would be giving each other funny or inappropriate nicknames or you know like stuff like that and then like you go to work never happened and everybody just <laughs> keeps that boundary until the next work party and then your name goes back <laughs> up you know like that coworker who they were like hey you guys could date and you're like no thank you 
you know, like that joke <laughs> comes back, but they'll never mention it right. at work. And that was a huge culture huh. shock when I came back and my like job here was like, no, everybody started adding me on Facebook and I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, but even my, my boss in, in Japan, we'd like, sit down at lunch on Monday or something and I'd be like oh like how was your weekend she was like oh yeah I like went home and saw my family and we're like oh that's amazing what did you do she was like oh you know it was actually my wedding um and I'm like wait you have a boyfriend (laughs) wait you're engaged (laughs) wait you're married now (laughs) and (laughs) just like that kind of thing where you just you know nothing you you know them at work but you know nothing about their life and the next thing you know they're like oh yeah I'm married (laughs) yesterday Hmm. Um, (laughs) and even that, I was like, actually shocked she even told us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so there was a big struggle, I think a lot of times with loneliness at different moments. And when those moments happened, I intentionally made myself like take note of them because I knew that years down the road, I would be like, I loved Japan. It was amazing. I want to go back. And I was like, you need to remember this day when you were crying yourself to sleep. You know, (laughs) like that it wasn't always great. Like there was a lot of, you know, so there was, there was moments, but I pretty quickly, one, having the jet program helped a lot because there was other people in Tokyo who I knew from my program one girl, um, she actually was also from Seattle. She had studied abroad in, in Japan. She had minored in Japanese. Um, and she and I ended up living in the same building for my first year there. Um, so that was super fun, just that we yeah. kind of had each other for like those initial struggles of like, buying furniture or like going out to restaurants in our town um just having if anything happened if there's an earthquake i know that she's like right one floor below me like just things that freak you out when you're new somewhere and you're like there's a lot of natural disasters here like what would i even do like at least i have one person (laughs) you know um and she only stayed that one year so it, it after she left which was a, a hard thing about being in a very international community especially with a program like jet where people are contracting recontracting or going home every july mm-hmm. so it's like you'd have a group of friends and then half of them leave the next year and that just and then new people come and so then you want to meet the new people and you don't click with everybody but some people you do you know so yeah. just like a ebb and flow of community um and it's hard because you'll like get attached to people and you'll like really like people and then they'll leave and then new people will come and you're like I'm scared to get attached but I need you know like I really enjoy being with you so like let's just do everything that we can while we're here um yeah but then my second year was it my second year? yeah my second year Marlene actually moved to Tokyo too um, from Northwest. Shout out to Marlene. Mm-hmm. I'm Marlene. <laughs> um, and that, I'm Marlene. That, <laughs> that was a really fun year because she was very good at, like, f- planning things. And we had, like, a little group and we all, like, did stuff together. And that was a good time. But. That's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. So, yeah. I found pockets of community just either from different Facebook 
meetup groups or doing Japanese classes I made yeah. some friends at in the local community or like I took a Japanese class in my town and the Japanese teacher was super hospitable and would be like I'm going on this weekend trip with friends anybody want to come oh, that's um, nice. which was very unique yeah. for um, Japanese people in Tokyo so it was really enjoyable being being but, yeah. proactive sounds like mm-hmm. it's a, mm. a good way yeah. I mean yeah I, I think that's helped me too and, and there's obviously and, plenty to do yeah yeah sure there's plenty yeah. of things yeah. to keep yeah, you, you had no shortage of choices <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah Shelby any any more thoughts on that one should we move on yeah I think I think it does highlight like <clears throat> excuse me like you do have to be proactive mm-hmm. and I guess like, if you're the type of person who's thinking about moving to a different country, you're probably already the person that's proactive. But, like, yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm no, not. No I am, I'm, I'm just like, okay, am I moving? Great. <laughs> that's so funny because in my mind, I'm like, oh, of course Kinsey's proactive. Like, look at all the crazy things she's done. And, like, man, like, sh- she's in this traveling choir. And, like, she's in this and this and this. So, like, that's ha- really just interesting. Like, them. I think to a degree, yes. I'm like proactive to a degree. I definitely learned, I think living overseas by myself, by myself, obviously I had people to like help me out on little things, but I think it forced me to be a little bit more proactive or at least a couple more steps Mm -hmm. ahead just because I didn't have the safety net of like calling mom and dad or being like, hey dad, how do I set up a bank account? Like, (laughs) How do I do my taxes? You know, and when yep. I when I don't know how to do things, I, I get very detail oriented and I research a lot. So that forces me to kind of do things ahead of time. So I can be proactive, I think. When it comes to like planning events or outings, not so much. But when it's like there's probably a lot of paperwork to move home, I should look into that six months in advance so I don't miss any deadlines. Like. That's just because, like, right. I had to. It's like a survival mm. tactic. Right. But even, uh-huh. like, going to classes or things or clubs, I mean, mm. there will be people that move somewhere and then they go to work and they go home and they're miserable because, yeah, of course yeah, you're going to be. that's true. Um, yeah. Well, and there's people who don't go to classes or, you know, extracurricular activities, and they live in a place that where everyone speaks right. their language. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, so like true. the fact that you went out and you did these things in a place that, you know, you don't speak the language like I like credit where credit Absolutely. is due. Like I feel I feel like you get a gold star for those things, <laughs> well, you know, you get the trip it to me gold star <laughs> certified. Yay. Trip it to me certified. <laughs> certified. Stamp of approval. Uh, so what, what kind of transition, if, if you have more to say about Japan or anything else, just just feel free. But um, but. Yeah. What are you What are you doing now? What am I doing now? <laughs> where, where are you well, working now? I guess is probably the yes. more accurate question. Where are they now? Um, <laughs> I work for a luxury private jet tour operator. Heyo. That runs um, private jet tour, like private jet group expeditions, all around the world. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you now have your own private jet 
Yeah. And <laughs> you go all the places you exactly. want to. Exactly. No, just kidding. As soon as you <clears throat> sign your, works, as right? soon as you sign your contract, they give you a private jet of your own. <laughs> Incredible. That is a complete yeah. lie. It's like a hiring bonus. <laughs> it's then like, congratulations. It's just a bonus. You start work on Monday. Your jet is in it's hangar ready. number five. Here yeah. are the keys. Tell us if you want your name painted <laughs> on the side. Yeah. Your personal Jerry pilot is your is personal ready. pilot. Jerry? <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah okay. Jerry. He's very reliable. Oh, you know Jerry. He's great. Yeah. Jerry. He's very punctual and, yeah, no turbulence with Jerry. Yes. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you enjoy the, uh, working, working in the travel industry, I guess? I do. Yeah. So when I first... Okay, so I first heard about this company because um, one of my friends, so while I lived in Japan, my friend had gotten a job as an assistant expedition leader with my company. And so she was one of the people that would like go on, like work on the trips as kind of like a onboard concierge expedition leader. Yeah. So she would go on the trips and help organize everything on the ground and keep everything running smoothly with the guests and work on like the team, the team of expedition staff. So I would see like all of her posts about drinking her coffee in the Serengeti with a watering hole right outside her door with just, you know, sipping her tea with like right next to giraffes and elephants that are enjoying their morning sip in in the sounds, watering hole. Yeah, sounds pretty like, good. I was like, wow, this job is Sign insane. I'll go. It was amazing. Um, and so I just, like, knew about the company through that or through her. And yeah. um, she's, like, one of my closest friends. Um, so I had been clued into her whole hiring process and whatnot and, like, what her job was. But I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand what she did until I started working for the company. So right when I moved back from Japan, I had applied for a writing job at that company. um, And I did not get hired. Because also while living in Japan and working as a teacher, we had like five hours a day that I was sitting at the desk doing nothing. And so I took up a second job doing editing for a publishing company that's like based in Seattle and it was super nice because I felt like 90% of my day living in Tokyo I felt like an actual child (laughs) because you like can't talk like (laughs) you just like my life was so silent Mm -hmm. because I could only communicate like the very very basic things And that can get a little bit frustrating. Like, I was trying to learn, but it's just not that easy to get good. Um, Or I would be able to get through, like, a first conversation in only Japanese. But anywho, so I had this other job where I would edit books. And it was super good for my mental health because it was just that moment where I'm like, okay, I am an adult and I do have professional skills that people value. And... Now that I have, you know, edited this book for this um, author who's like this Fortune 500, maybe not Fortune 500, who's this like big CEO, like, you know, whatever, and he's like super pleased with what I've created or what I've done, now I'm going to walk into this shop and struggle to order a sandwich. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
and like go home and cry about that. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm two years old and I have zero life skills. Right. Um, and then I'm going to realize that's not true. I just am not in the country where I can be an actual adult. I'm like a half adult um, in Japan and then a real adult when I'm in the U.S. But yeah, so I had been doing that. So I had this resume that was like kind of writing, but also kind of nothing to show for it because I had been teaching for three years and then I had been editing, which isn't technically my own work. So applied for the writing position at that company, did not get it got called back like four months later that an operations position had opened up and I was like sure why not I'll take it so then I started doing operations just like a program coordinator role where I was helping fill out the spreadsheets of everybody's passport information and everybody's dietary restrictions and everybody's rooming requests like what other couples they want to be next to and the fact that they want exactly two warm towels by their sink every single night and they want them to be 70 degrees exactly no not quite that extreme but there were some I'm sure there were some requests yeah as you can imagine um because like our trips they were cheaper at the time but now like typical it's like a hundred and $50,000 $50,000 per ticket per oh. person. Yeah, okay. So, like, if I was paying... <laughs> oh, is that all? Is that all? Yeah. Like, you know, just, like, a couple's days wage. Um, They're looking for people to sponsor, right? I know. I yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I would have very high expectations as yeah, well. Sure. And I was very aware of that. So, like, I would... Yeah, so I would get to, like, email all the local agents at who work at the hotels or who are liaising with, with between us and the hotels and um, lots of emailing people from all over the world about, like, the rooming lists and then the updates and all the, all the details. Um, helped with, like, seven to nine trips and had that role for about a year felt like three to five years (laughs) it was only technically a year and I was two weeks away I was slotted to go to Sydney Australia for one of our trip kickoffs in April of 2020 And we had been monitoring all the COVID stuff since like November of 2019 because it was starting to impact our trips because you couldn't go through certain, you couldn't, we couldn't travel through certain countries in Asia. And like, if you had been to those countries, you couldn't get into other ones. So we were having to tell guests like, hey, if you were in China recently, you can't go on our trip, you know, or whatever. Just like we were, we were aware that this was very likely coming, but you, we still didn't quite, nobody knew to the extent. Anyways, so that went down. I got laid off. And then that whole year, like the whole year, I guess it was like two-ish years. I just did a lot of writing stuff mm-hmm. and a lot of like just built, trying to build my portfolio up. And then now I'm back. Mm-hmm. I got rehired in March. 
um, in yes. as the as a one of the marketing writers. Oh, cool. So I'm back mm. in pretty much the exact role that I had initially applied for <laughs> in 2018. <laughs> nice. So we've come full circle. Yeah. Um, and I will say, like, the, being on the marketing side is so much more, like, it's still a lot of work, and we still do a lot of things. Um, we more so do, like, the marketing materials, we write the emails, and then we do a ton of, like, the post after you've booked your trip, like the series of emails that we send guests to get them prepared for the trip, and then like the detailed itineraries, which in operations I did the kind of like the, what's the word? Like the staff-facing minute-by-minute itinerary, mm. and now I'm helping craft like the guest-facing oh, cool. day-by-day atten- right. itineraries, and like here are your list of like tour options, and you can like check if you want to go on a camel ride or if you'd rather take the hot air balloon you know like that kind of thing so right yeah so now i get to do deal with all like the pretty documents that have all the beautiful photos of like the hotels and stuff like that so it's kind of fun much more relaxed pace everything feels because we're working like most of our deadlines are so that we can send things out like six months in advance or like a couple weeks in advance. Whereas when you're in operations, it's like everything's changing day to day and everything's urgent and like this trip is leaving tomorrow. Yeah. So like if you don't get it done, right. so much like the trickle down is so much like of a higher stakes. So it's just like more stressful because you have to like halt every aspect of life and like n- no deadline is negotiable when things have to get on the road. So I learned a lot. I can't imagine that, like, work boundaries are really a thing in a job like that. Definitely in the operations side, you would have to work really hard to, like, hold your boundaries. And still, at the end of the day, like, you want the trip to be successful more than anything. So your boundary becomes you know, oh, I have a trip out that week. I'm not making any plans. Right. You know, like, that becomes your boundary Mm -hmm. is, like, I just won't plan anything that's not, uh, like, cancelable. Which I definitely experienced even just being, like, an operations coordinator, just putting in so much to the job that in hindsight I'm, like, I was not getting paid enough to do that. Right. To to Mm -hmm. give up my Mm -hmm. entire life and work till 11 p.m. But you care so much about your team. And, like, I loved... I loved my team so much. And so it's like, if I don't come through, then it's somebody else is going to have to do it. And they already have way too much on their plate that they're doing. And for us, it's like once the trip takes off, it's in the on the ground people's hands and then our manager's hands. But for our manager, it's like once the trip takes off, you're monitoring your email 24-7 because at any given moment, you might need to wake up at 2 a.m. to, like, solve a problem from your computer for a trip that you're not on because they're about to take flight and they can't do it. (laughs) Right. You know, like... Terrifying. (laughs) Which totally happened, like, when COVID started and, like, countries were shutting down or countries were changing their entry requirements in the time... From the time that, you know, it's, like, entry requirement is can't have traveled through japan or china within 14 days 
but there's somebody who traveled through the airport 20 days ago, and in the time that they're flying, the requirement has now changed hmm. to 30 days. Oh. Or whatever, <sighs> you know, <laughs> like... <Yeah. laughs> or it, like, already was 14 days, but then they... So the person didn't put it on paperwork, and then when they get interviewed, have you recently been to Japan? They're like, well, I did go once 20 days ago, and they're like, you didn't write that down, so now we can't trust you, and we're not letting you into the country. And then, you know, the manager is getting, like, the panicked the panicked email at 3 a.m. <laughs> of, find us a new country to go to, please right now yeah and then we come into the office in the morning after a good night's sleep being like wait what happened oh. like seeing all the emails that were copied on like oh, no. yeah so marketing is definitely more my speed yeah <laughs> a more relaxed yes. pace right in a post-covid world Thank you. except for the times where they randomly want to see if you can go to australia tomorrow. <laughs> you should always say yes i think I think yeah always say yes always yes uh I I guess you got the unique I'm not sure I'd call it good but unique experience of seeing the travel industry completely (laughs) crash and now oh yeah and now it's I mean it honestly might have peaked more popular than ever yeah might have peaked in the summer yeah I think they said not not my company but like all those statistics places said that for the first time they're seeing the desire to travel outweigh the like fear of the like upcoming recession and inflation Mm -hmm. Mm. because everybody's been like grounded basically for the last couple of years and so now people are like i don't care yeah. Like, <laughs> the recession is going to come. I'm going to have gone on my European vacation mm-hmm. first. <laughs> I'm not doing yeah, this uh-huh. again. You know, and I think just people... going to live off of those banked memories. Yeah, people, like, value it. Like, the value for travel right now is incredibly high. Right. Um, because we've all felt, like, stuck. And one thing that I didn't really consider, because it's not really, like, the circles that I run in that somebody had mentioned is like um, a lot of people who we work with are older. So you have the added fear of not only does everybody want to travel now, but also like they've seen their friends get sick. They've seen friends or family or relatives who were planning to go on that trip with them who like didn't make it through the past few years. And so now they're like, we're going you know like Mm. no matter what we are going because like time is of the essence and so it's just very interesting like seeing that you can kind like not even being in the industry really like you can just kind of I, i guess i live in a hotbed of tourists really but you can just kind of feel the that that uh attitude in in yeah. people and it's not i mean and and i i don't know what to say here uh in some americans that might be a bad thing just kind of i'm going to do what i want and get out of my way but in a right. lot of people it was there was just this kind of sense of appreciation that I, I i feel like i've noticed um maybe more than ever at least traveling domestically um and, and that's that's beautiful in a way i mean 
I, it's not worth what we went through by any means, um, but right. it, it did put it into per, into perspective for a lot of people. I think totally. get out and do things. I think now. there's also a lot of people that um, that maybe lived abroad and haven't seen yeah. family in a while. That they were like, eh, I'll see them yeah. when I see them, and then this happened, and they're like, oh no, I need to get there right now. Like I know quite a few people that really weren't that interested in going back for a visit, you know, wherever it was that they, mm-hmm. they came from. Um, but, you know, in the middle of this, they're like, ah, like I, I, I'd do just about anything to be able to go back yeah. right now. Oh, totally. So I think it's really made people reconsider family and home yeah. and mm-hmm. priorities. Uh, or, or like missing. In a way that is kind of manic. Oh, yeah. Or like missing big events right. or like life events or milestone moments in friends and yeah. family and you just realize that like, that quick the border shut down and now you're stuck yeah. and i think that's something that like in modern times has hasn't really been a thing for us no like because it used to be like yeah if if you back when you had to be on a boat for five months to get somewhere like you know if you move <coughs> you're stuck like you're there you are committed to that yeah. being your life but now it's like permanent and i totally experienced this moving overseas is you have these moments where you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to get home. And then you go for the first time. You're like, that was not that hard. <laughs> right. I come home all the yeah. time. Yeah. Especially Japan to Seattle. I'm like, that was an eight hour flight. Mm. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> that. And, and I know that helped to like my mom a lot. The first time she came to see me and she was like, oh, you're not that far away. Yeah. But I had an, another friend who she started her time in the jet program, July of 2019. Um, and so she didn't want to come home for her first Christmas because she had only been there for six months. And then Japan locked down hard and missed a ton of life events, like all of her brothers getting married and other things and just thing after thing. And I was like, I like she would post about it and about like joining on Zoom or things like that. And I was like, I am so sorry for you because I, I know that that sucks yeah. to be the person who's not there. Like time and time again, because that's the hard. That's honestly the hardest part about being overseas. I think when your family's like elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Well. But yeah. So it's, it's very interesting. Interesting times that we're living in. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have any any other questions? We kind of went through our our list, but. This has been so much fun and interesting. And, oh my gosh, uh, I have a question for you guys. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. This is a first. Are you aiming for like the number one fan spot? Is that what's going on here? No. I don't know if I have a chance at the number one fan spot. <laughs> okay. Since I was, you'd you know, you'd be listening. surprised how easy it is, actually. <laughs> you, you would be. You'd be surprised. <laughs> number one guest spot, maybe. You know. Yeah. Number one oh, whistle. Kurt's gonna be so num- number one whistle segment. <laughs> that's it. That's yes. it. That's it. Guess that we yeah. can easily award you that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just just that one. You know, I'll take that one win. <laughs> okay. My gold star. <laughs> um, okay, I would love to know what your f- go-to airplane snacks are, and then I would also love to know. This is probably more for Shelby, but maybe when in your travels, Andrew, maybe you have something for this. 
like what's like either the go-to thing that you miss the most like the first thing you're probably gonna eat like you probably eat when you get home mm. or like the one snack that you're definitely gonna pack to bring back with you because you just like can't find it well, food related you, right. you know the way to our hearts lots of snacks yeah uh-huh uh-huh. Shelby? Since we got on a really, like, dark note there for a little <laughs> yeah. bit, we got to pick it up. Are you going to answer too, Kenzie? <laughs> on the food I think, note. I think you should also answer. Sure. Okay. I will I'll answer. Mm. Shelby? Uh, for airplane snacks, um, maybe controversial opinion, but I don't, I don't really pack airplane snacks. I, I don't really eat a whole lot when I travel, but I will say... Um, when you fly Delta and they give you Biscoff <laughs> cookies, I will literally eat as many as yes. they will give yep. me. Those um, are amazing. We get them, right? We get them in our grocery store every now and then. And the Biscoff cookie butter. Yum. And it's my new, Andrew knows that like, like six months ago, I'd get a jar of lemon curd. And if I was really stressed out, I would just sit and eat my lemon curd. The Biscoff cookie butter is the new lemon curd. It's incredible. Put that on like a hot pancake. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So that's that's my airplane snack. Uh, I'm pretty similar. Not with the Biscoffs really, but I mean, they're good. Um, but I don't eat a whole lot. When I when I travel, I do. Mm, um, yeah, same. Yeah, I do. I, I and I'm really cheap on on planes too. I found out so so like I'll <laughs> I'll eat uh, whatever they give me essentially As on some. Right, you're not gonna like no, buy. No, no, they aren't gonna be good enough anything. to buy snacks. If it's a really long flight, like maybe I'll buy a sandwich in the airport and eat it like an hour or right. two in. But otherwise, uh, on some Alaska flights, they give out Chex Mix, um, and that's nice. I like Chex Mix. That, that's nice. Um, but yeah, mm. I, I'm not sure I have one. I'll pack licorice sometimes. I guess that if I had to pick one, I, I'd probably just some I some uh, red vines, not not Twizzlers. I am not a right. Twizzler. Yes. Guy, yeah. Red vines are okay. the only way to go. Yes. Let's be real. Uh, agreed. Agreed. I'm glad we can all agree yeah. on what really matters. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> do not replace the lemons or limes question with red red vines or Twizzlers, because I really don't want to know if there's any Twizzler people out there. No. <laughs> we it's like it's like we just don't. My brother yeah, is. Do not email trip it to me at gmail.com about. That. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you guys yeah, now. No, don't. We My don't brother is know. one of the Twizzler people, and like it's the it's the worst part of our relationship. So he's out of the running yeah. for number one. Wow, and I know he seems, was gunning for he it. He seems but so normal. <laughs> yeah, I know. he just really knocked out you of that you know one people. Right. Uh, uh, um, yeah, airport airplane snack. <laughs> okay, yeah. this I literally have an empty bag right here. You oh, guys. okay. This is actually what prompted the question. Okay. Um, Parmesan goldfish. Ooh. Oh, great choice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or just goldfish crackers in general. Mm. I love them, and I missed them so much living overseas. There was just nothing like them, yeah. specifically Parmesan. Right. Um, and my other go-to is peanut butter M&M's. Mm. Peanut butter M&M's oh, are the best go, M&M's. Yeah, go wrong. And you can't get them here. I'm so sorry. Uh, I would always come I don't know what, back with a giant bag of peanut butter M&M's. It was like my go-to airplane snack. 
How do you? And my. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. All, my, and my always bring back to Japan snack oh. and then eat like two a day <laughs> so that I could just let them savor yes. mm-hmm. forever. Ration huh? them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> ration them until they are bad. And then I'm like, why did I let these go bad? How did the two of you feel about regular <laughs> M&M's? I don't care for them, honestly. I think they might, this is a hot take, I think they might be the worst candy. Yeah, I really don't like them. Yeah, me neither. Like, I was like n- not a fan of M&M's at all until peanut butter M&M's. I like peanut butter and M&M's. I don't think I would. And I like uh, pretzel M&M's pretty well. And you like I would ones? not pretzel say that. Pretzel M&M's? Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. I would definitely not say that M&M's are the worst candy, though. Like, I mean, unless you count I like mean, the gross stuff like black They're better than Tootsie Rolls. No, they aren't. I disagree. No, they, no, 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 they, they are. really aren't. They are. I'm gonna. <laughs> then no, what? they're better than Tootsie Rolls. Um. Mm. You give me, okay. you give me okay, like three Tootsie it. Rolls or three M and M's, and I take the Tootsie Rolls every single time. I, I like, I won't eat a Tootsie Roll ever. Hmm. Like, I won't huh. eat them. Okay. All right. All right. Like, you'd have to pay me money to eat a Tootsie Roll. How much? Like a lot. How much? Wow. Like a hundred, like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yes, one luxury, one jet luxury jet expedition. All right, the, uh, eleven countries in twenty-two days. The yeah. uh, the other question: the what food do you miss from home? Yes. And what, where do you count um, as home? You have to you have to specify here. Where you grew up? I mean, I think anywhere that's like easily accessible, like. Like, yeah, I guess where okay. I grew up. Um, but, like, yeah, food that's just easily accessible yeah. in Southern Oregon, I guess. <laughs> um, like, the very first thing I thought of is, like, a box of Kraft mac and cheese, <laughs> which I can yeah. technically get here, but it's it's in Auckland. It's not, like, here. So, like, I'd have to, like, fly Journey. to then go to a store to, yeah, exactly. Um, that's the big one. For a long time, it was Pop-Tarts, but I think I'm kind of burnt out on my Pop-Tart phase. Mm-hmm. Um, last time we went to the States, we brought back a bunch of Pop-Tarts. This time, we didn't bring back any food, which was a little odd. I honestly would have brought back peanut butter M&Ms if I had thought about it. Mm. Now you'll always remember. Oops. <laughs> always. Well, and we got my brother-in-law hooked on them, and then he was like, oh, where'd you get these? And I was like, oh, America. And he's like, fuck you. Like, now I just need more of them. And I can. So last time we brought him back a whole bunch. And it was like his oh, Christmas wow. gift was like an entire jar of peanut butter M&M's. It's a um, good gift. And, I, and we didn't do that this time. Sorry. It's hard to top that. Um, otherwise, just Mexican mm. food. Just, just give yep. me all of the Mexican yep. food. 100%. Because it just really doesn't exist yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Uh. My that was my go-to meal. Oh yeah. Every every time I came home, we'd go to Mexican food right away. Yeah. And people would be like, yeah. "Let's get sushi," and I was like, "Why would I do that? Like, it's going to be disappointing and overpriced." Like, that's a horrible I idea. I live in Japan. Yeah. yeah. You can go when I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. We Think are of getting me. Mexican food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with cheese on it. Mm. The cheese. They didn't really have a lot of cheese in Japan. They had mm. really good Indian food. That was always great. Mm. But then I also, like, this was my weird, I don't remember how long I had lived here, lived, not here, there, (laughs) 
at this point, but um, I had this recurring dream, and I think it was kind of like a like just a culture shock situation dream. I don't know. In this dream, I came home for one weekend, and I drove my car around everywhere because I never drove in Japan, so I like really really missed right. driving. Yeah. And I would come home for three days only. I would drive and I would come home and I would bake chocolate chip cookies <laughs> and that was it because I couldn't really find like cookie dough and I'm not really much of a baker and I didn't have an oven yeah. in Japan we just have a microwave that is I guess technically an oven but all the buttons are in Japanese and I was like really scared to use it <laughs> so I was like <laughs> I never cooked anything so yeah, that was my dream hmm. to just come home, drive, and bake chocolate chip cookies. There you go. And then I would come I home. I love that. I came actually. home and I got and I got to live the dream. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now you can make cookies whenever, whenever you want. Whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree yeah. with the Mexican food choice. Uh, I would also throw cheeseburgers into um, into my limited experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's good. Yep. I actually found a Andrew really does love a good cheese. I found like an award-winning burger place in my little small town yeah. that I lived in in Tokyo. I'm sure I'm sure they there's ha- plenty. They of... were like this big. They were oh, like wow. as big as your head. Oh my and goodness. they had like they were super gourmet and I was just like actually shocked. Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty but, of like good cheeseburgers some like throughout Tokyo. I just didn't know about them. Oh yeah. And uh with yeah. like wagyu beef. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Good, good yeah. questions. Thank yeah. you. Now that everybody's oh. hungry. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Go get yourself some Mexican food if you're in a country that oh. has, that that's has a decent. possibility. Yes. <laughs> or some peanut butter M and M. One or the other. Mm. Or a really good cheeseburger. <laughs> mm. I'm hungry. Uh, well thank you kinsey it was it was so much fun to catch up and and hear all about everything you've done like we said impressive and and congratulations on being so brave and and uh and and honestly being successful so yeah Yeah. and thank you so much for putting up with all of our uh our scheduling difficulties and technical difficulties and general life difficulties. <laughs> stingray and, difficulties. Um, we just... It's stingray difficulties. Oh yeah, all the excuses. I mean, Andrew felt so bad about all the scheduling conflicts. He had to go out and get stung by a stingray. So he had one more excuse. <laughs> yeah. So That was an I mean, extreme... That was patient. commitment yeah. to the bit, oh, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I told him it was not <laughs> yeah. It's not idea, necessary. I regret you know. it now. Truly. But. I would have understood. <laughs> I'm an introvert. You could literally just say, I don't feel like it. And I'd be like, I get that. Cool. I get it. Good to know. know. Uh, Speaking of, uh, I should have done this at the beginning. We had some sound issues on our last episode. So sorry about those. So um, if you lasted with us for this two hours, um, you get an apology at the end, too. So I think I started with an apology. Also, also. Yeah. Ben wanted me to say last time we talked about the show Taskmaster, Taskmaster, which is a UK show that we've been watching here on TV and Zed. 
And he wants you to know that you can watch TVNZ online in America for oh free. Goodness. So if you want to watch the show Taskmaster through TVNZ, which is really a UK show, knock yourselves wow, out. Wow, thank everybody. you. New Zealand just coming through for us all the time. Yep. Shout yes, out to Ben. Thank Thanks you. for doing thank the, you, ben. the mahi, doing yes, the research. we appreciate it. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun, and we'll have to do it again sometime. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank thanks you. for having me. Yeah, we can definitely deep dive further. I feel like I was very jumbled on my thoughts about Japan, uh, but you know, you were great. You ever have any more? Oh, you ever have any no, specific your questions? Were very well organized, or you know, help planning itineraries. I got you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Name the country. Or just like listing words that we like. Yep. Um, or talking about different fruits and foods that we like. Maybe for the... Vocab lessons. Maybe for the J itinerary. English lessons. Because I can't think of other places. We can just do a Japan episode, have Kinsey on, and we each plan for a different city in Japan. That'd I don't know. Fun. I don't know. Ooh, just yeah. throwing it out there. Except that. now the obstinate child oh, inside know. of I me sh- is like, I bet I can find a place that starts with J that's not Japan. I mean, Japan, there's Jordan. So so there, there's Does plenty. It? I mean, but right. uh, yeah, I, mean, I shouldn't have said city, anything but to Jaipur. Right. But Andrew just wants to talk about I Japan did. more. Can't yeah, blame and Shelby him. just wants to argue. So yeah. Be obstinate. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be a petulant five-year-old. Yes. I think we'll be back with sort of regular episodes um i'll say that so we'll, we'll do our best um yeah we have we will. S- some things coming up so <laughs> there will be an episode in the next week we think so <laughs> thank you so stick stick with stick us stick with us please guys uh, thank you us. again kenzie thank you shelby it was a lot of fun yeah so All good right. thanks bye bye All right. bye